Amen. So tonight, y'all, only God could do this. He gave me the perfect topic uh, as the end stone. We call it the capstone of, of what we're, we've been doing here all month in prayer. And I'm so excited about this word tonight. So let's get in it. Let's get in it. Hallelujah. Anybody been um, excited about praying? Amen. Amen. Anybody got any prayers answered during this time? Amen. Anybody seeing God move in some things during this time? Amen. Praise God. And some of us have believed we receive and we are still waiting on manifestation. But what are we doing until then? Amen. Amen. Until my change come, I'm going to continue to thank God. What else are we doing? What else are we doing? Are we resisting doubt? Are we guarding our minds against all evil that comes against us, tells us we're not going to get right? And now what are we doing? What else are we doing? We meditating on the word. Are you really? Meditate on the, the scripture that gives you the promise. What else are we doing for it to come to pass? Making statements of faith every time we pray, right? I believe I receive. I got it. We're in that apartment. We got that house in the name of Jesus right now. We got our dream house. We got enough space. We got yard space, right? Now, the world is taking this. New Age is taking this. They call it positive affirmations, right? Yoga calls it mantras and all of that, right? So, y'all, they, they, the devil can't create nothing. He just bootlegged it, right? Y'all remember them bootleg copy? Blockbuster copy, they used to say. <laughs> they used to sell them those bootleg tapes. Right? Bootleg is almost the same, but not quite, right? It's not HD. The quality's not there. People walking around, chewing popcorn. You can hear it. All right. So let's, let's not let the devil and the world steal the things of God. And the, the, the people of God leave those things free and clear. And so we're going to talk about sum up. What is our difference as a church? And so, the, you know, they've got this show on Netflix called Stranger Things. I've never seen it. I don't know what it's about. But the title is intriguing. So we're going to talk about tonight, you know, we've been talking about prayer 101, how to get your prayers answered, right? Well, tonight we're going to go into 201. This is just a precursor for the next time we go through a time of prayer, teaching of prayer, right? Prayer 201, this is not the basics, but um, we're going to talk about the strange things of prayer. You know, where prayer is not effective, it's not strange. Some of us come from churches where we read prayers called liturgies, right? Catholic church, you read prayers. Uh, yeah, rosary beads, repeated prayers over and over. Some of us come from the Baptist church, and, you know, the deacons got down, kneeled down, and he prayed loud, and then somebody else prayed. And I just want to, I want you to think about it. Where prayer was not strange, it wasn't effective. I want you to think about it. What were they praying for? Did anybody ever get their prayers answered? I want you to think about it. 
wherever prayer was mundane, wherever it was routine, wherever it was predictable, it wasn't powerful. Nobody was getting up out of wheelchairs. Nobody was receiving their sight. But have you ever seen one of them crazy Holy Ghost means with people getting healed and stuff? That stuff looks strange, don't it? So we're going to call this prayer 201, the strange thing, which is our difference. So we got new people coming in, people from the outreach, and uh, even uh, we're going to add this, and I want my, my administration to listen. We're going to add this to our um, building blocks and our new members orientation because new members are coming in. They're like, what in the world? <laughs> However, there's still a magnetism that draws them. So they used to say, uh, more, many people don't know what the anointing is, but they know what it ain't. <laughs> right? So people will be drawn and even join here and not necessarily understand and agree everything that we do. Right? So we're going to talk about the strange things of prayer. And we're not being strange just to be strange because there's rules and parameters. And it shouldn't be strange. If you've ever been to a church, the things we do here shouldn't be strange because they're biblical. Somebody say amen. amen. But a lot of churches aren't biblical. So let's go to, um, is this good already? Woo, Jesus, it's good to me. It's good to me. Hmm. So let's go to, um, what is it? Let's go to Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. And Man, I had my first scripture. Let's, okay, let's go to Mark. Yeah, let's go to Matthew 15, 6. Matthew 15, 6. And Jesus was getting on the Pharisees, right? Because they were changing things to profit them. They were changing what people were supposed to do with their parents. You know, the, the scripture says, honor your mother and father, right? And to children, it says, obey your mother and father, right? Okay, obedience generally is absolute when you're a child unless they're telling you to do something illegal or immoral, right? Okay, so children should obey their parents. Adults are free from obeying their parents, Okay. Um, we, we're, we're free more ages than we're adults. But he says, honor your parents. So all adults should honor their parents. And what does the word honor mean? Anybody know? Huh? It's money. It's finance. It's finance. So what they were doing was they were changing the scriptures that said, honor your father and mother. The money that which a person could should be paying for their parents to be taken care of. They said if they say it's Corbin, 
they could give it to the church and the Pharisees could profit from it. So Jesus is responding to that in verse 6. It says, and honor not his father or mother, he shall be free. Thus you've made the commandment of God of none effect by your what? Traditions. The traditions of men. Let's go to Mark 7, 13. It says it again. He's talking about the same thing. It's just another count. It says, making the word of God of none effect through your traditions. So many of you, if you've come from a traditional church, and many of you have, the Catholic church, Orthodox, Greek, all that's traditional, Methodist, traditional, Baptist, traditional, generally speaking. You do have those Baptocostals out there, right? The full gospel Baptist. But generally speaking, and, and I said for the benefit of those that, 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 that haven't been here, the stranger the prayer, the more effective. When prayer isn't strange, when it's mundane, when it's predictable, it's not effective. You ever been to one of those dry, cold services? I used to be a youth pastor at a Presbyterian church. You talking about dry and cold. Nothing. There was nothing there. People get up. Yeah, no, 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 no. All rise. Catholic church. It's traditional. They do the same thing all the time. Right? You know, we try to abide by certain time schedules, you know. When I was a youth pastor at Presbyterian Church, they had a tradition. <laughs> Which they probably should have broke with me. That the youth pastor preached once a year to the big service. It was an all-white church, too, which is different because I was a black Baptist dude. And man, it was 11 to 11.59. That's it. Now, y'all know I get happy. You start going over. Y'all, at 12.05, people was turning red, getting answered. It was tradition. They, it, don't care what. But Jesus is doing something. Hey, tell Jesus come back next week because we got to go home and watch the game. The tradition, listen, making the word of God. So, the church has been reduced to this. Well, you know, each is on. They do it different over there. Everybody does it different. And over there, they do that stuff. And they speak in tongues. They do that stuff. But where our tradition doesn't believe that, the tr you ever heard somebody say that? But, but the tradition of, God, of, the, of, of men make the word of God a non effect. That's why things seem strange when people come here. But they shouldn't be strange. Somebody say amen. Is this good already? Come on, Pastor, get going. Okay, I'm going to get going. Okay, strange. Here is the definition of strange. Unusual. Surprising. <laughs> In a way that's unsettling. Or hard to understand. Not previously visited, seen, or encountered. If you're new to this church, you may see some strange things, something you haven't encountered, stranger things, right? But it doesn't mean they're wrong. And if the church, 
at large was biblical, it wouldn't be strange. It would be happening everywhere. Somebody say amen. So there are things, I, I, I get a kick out of watching Hollywood imitate the church. Generally speaking, they don't imitate the dry, mundane church. Generally speaking, only in a Rocky movie or something where the church is an aside. But when they want to make fun of the church, they make fun of the strange things. And these are the things that Satan is threatened about. These are the things that he don't want to happen because he knows that that's where our power comes from. He knows that's where he's defeated. Y'all, that church, blah, 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 blah. you got all kind of junk sitting in the pew. Some of them guys up there molesting children, pedophiles. You got folks that are not delivered, people cheating on their wife, beating on their wife, drunk, a lot of Catholics and alcoholics. You got a lot, of, it's no power. But they make fun of the strange things. Somebody say amen. So we're going to talk about some of the strange things of prayer that are in bounds, that are in the rules, right? Some of the things that you may hear or see here, right? But these are the ways that God has chosen for his people to pray and the things that are in bounds. Now, years ago, we studied a lot about the occult when I was, you know, in my 20s. Uh, the Lord was teaching me about deliverance and the fact that, you know, it's so surprising, even Christians, people in church, that Satan is really real. He is. People can move objects with their mind and levitate and stuff. Yes, they can, all that stuff. We don't glorify that stuff. <clears throat> um, but we learned a lot about that stuff. And one of the, the main principles that I want everybody here to learn about God and Satan, okay, Whatever Satan does and perverts, he didn't create. Like when you say sex in the church, it's because they got Satan's version of sex. But Satan, Satan not that genius. Come on, somebody. He couldn't create sex. He, he, he couldn't create man. He couldn't create all that goes with that. He perverted it. Somebody say amen. But God created it for him and his people. Right? He created it for his people to multiply the earth, for married couples to have pleasure and so forth and so on. Right? Okay. But the devil perverts. So the devil, he only perverts what God already created. And in the occult, there are things called familiar objects. Right? Real witches and stuff use that. I'm not going to get into that. But I just begin to look at everything that the devil did and seeing the righteous counterpart. So we talked about even Sunday we mentioned, you know, uh, we, we go to Universal Studios or something, or, you know, at all the public schools, you know, Harry Potter kind of got in there, which is basically teaching kids witchcraft. But when you see Harry Potter, what does he always have? A wand, right? Where did wands associated with witches and power, right? Because that's what it is. It's a source of power, right? Where does that come from? We never see wands before Moses. Moses had a rock that he lifted up that split the Red Sea. 
Is that true or not? Is that true or not? So then the devil said, aha! A wand, a stick, right? So we just started doing that. He can't create. Y'all, the devil is a dumb devil. He has to wait till God does something so he can figure out what he's getting ready to do. And then he just copies it. You understand what I'm saying? So when we talk about the strange things of prayer, as we wrap this up, sometimes you're going to see this, new people you're going to see in our church. Uh, Let's talk about the tangible, what I'm calling the tangible tools of prayer, right? Now, at our 8 o'clock, we talked about God using what Oral Roberts, he coined this term. It is so funny. I ask people, do you know Oral Roberts? They say, oh, yeah, the basketball team, the university. <laughs> they don't even know who Oral Roberts was. Uh, those of y'all who like history, you should go back and study Oral Roberts. Started um, the healing revivals in the United States. So he was doing healing crusades all over the United States, 10,000, 20,000 in his tent. At the same time, God raised up Billy Graham. He was doing evangelistic uh, revivals all across America, uh, 10,000, 20,000. He had uh, a million people showed up at Times Square in New York. They shut the city down for a week because Billy Graham was there. Oral Roberts went all over the United States. And those, they were televised too. So he televised them. You can go look at them on YouTube. All the tens of thousands and people were getting healed, healed, healed. And that started the healing revival. All right? Started the healing revival in America, I think, between 1947 and 1956 or something like that. It was the healing revival. And then uh, a lot of those lesser-known guys, uh, you know, started moving around. A.A. Allen, Kenneth Hagen, Jack Cole, all those guys. So you study that. Uh, it's very fascinating. It's a lot of video and verifiable miracles that were caught on tape because at the same time, God, he's, he's so wise. At the same time, the healing revival in America, this new thing called television and live television, right? So people were able to see live television, God healing people, and um, the power of God coming through the television screen, right? So Billy Grant, um, uh, or Roberts coined this term, point of contact, but it was just... He was just explaining um, one of God's systems of prayer. So in the Catholic Church or the traditional church, when they pray for you, they don't lay hands on you generally, right? Okay. But that's one of the things that they make fun of. You're healed. You're healed. Right? That's what Hollywood makes fun of. The devil's afraid of that. And that's one of the tangible tools of prayer that God allows. Somebody say amen. Amen. So let's start with this, anointing oil. Do we have anointing oil in here? Y'all see that over there? That's what it is. I want to be very elementary, academic, and practical. God, the thing about God is he loves people, and he wants to reach them at every point of their faith. So in this room, there are degrees of faith. In Jesus' day, 
there were degrees of faith. Most of the time, when people ask Jesus to pray, what were they doing? Huh? What did they want him to do? Touch him. Or if somebody would sit somewhere else, what did, what did they want him to do? They want him to either bring the per- person to him or bring Jesus to them, right? Let's go to uh, Mark chapter 5. Oh, guys, I wish we can get this. Can, can y'all give me a boom mic? Because I still need my hands. If y'all mind. Hurry, hurry, hurry. This one, I think, has a, all right, Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, and I want to show you Matthew, Mark, all right, so I want to show you this. Jesus had just delivered the man that had uh, the demons. And um, look at, um, look at verse 21. And when Jesus had passed over again by the ship and the other side, much people gathered unto him and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. He said, I pray thee, I'm begging you, right? Come and do what? Lay your hands on her that she may be healed and that she may live. So people understood that if a man was a prophet, if he had the power of God in him, that power could be transferred through his hands, right? What part of your body do you use the most every day? Your hands. It's the source of power, right? If my wife needs a pickle jar open or something, and we don't eat pickles, but I'm not using my feet, right? I'm not using my Shoulders, my elbows, I'm using my hands, right? So even in the natural, your hands are a source of power. So they realize that. Now, Landry, find that scripture where the man says, just uh, just speak the word, though. So there are degrees of faith. This man required. He told Jesus what he could believe for, right? He said, first of all, I know you're the son of God. You're right here. I believe you got power. But the only way your power can be released, I believe, is if you come with me. He told him what he needed him to do, right? Lay your hands on my daughter, and she will be healed and live. Okay? So the laying of the hands would be the point of contact when Jairus would be able to release his what? His faith. He can't release it any other way. That's where his faith is. Now, you're going to find out that that's a lesser form of faith. So the stronger your faith, the less you need these tangible tools. Right? It's like, how many of y'all learned how to ride a bike, but you had like uh, training wheels, right? Right, because you couldn't balance yourself. 
I ride a bike now. I don't need training wheels, right? Because I got a higher level, a higher levels of, of bike riding skill. But Jesus and God is so merciful. He's so gracious, true or no, that he will meet you at the point of your need. Yes? Right? And so this thing called point of contact, everybody say point of contact. All right? So God will allow you to use tangible things. You know, the prayer, you know, prayer and all that stuff that we're doing, I think that's getting on tape. <laughs> okay. I think prayer and all of that is invisible. We're dealing with invisible things. We're, de- we're dealing with an invisible God, right? We're sending a prayer up. That's invisible. Yes. We want an answer to come down from heaven. That's invisible, right? Right. That takes great faith to really be able to conceptualize all those a- abstract things, right? Well, the higher you get in faith, you don't need the tangibles, but when you're just starting out, right, you may need something tangible. Okay. Now, the cult world, what do they use? They, what? Cards. They use crystal balls, tarot cards, Ouija boards, right? What else? All kind of herbs, things, tea leaves, reading, all that stuff, right? All this natural stuff, right? Okay. All right. So in the kingdom, those th- there, there are only a few things that God allows. So you can't say, I'm, I'm exercising my faith, I need a Ouija board, right? That's off limits, right? Those are dark things, right? And those are for the occult. But I can't, I can't tell you how many people operating those things that say they're working for God. Like when you go to New Orleans, the thing about all of that is it's a mixture of, see voodoo, voodoo is a mixture of, it's not just black magic or they call, it's a mixture of uh, uh, black magic, Catholicism, the Bible. When we were passing by on um, Bourbon Street, me and Dr. Rogers were there for the conference. We were walking down on Bourbon Street, and they were out there, the, the psychics and the, you know, the people with the crystal. They had crystal ball. They had tarot cards. They had the Bible. Yeah. Okay. So there are only, a, there are only like three tangible things that God will let us use when our faith is weaker, right? Where's that other scripture? Let's go to Matthew 8. Thank you. Thank you, guys. This is really helping me keep my hands free. All right. So, this is Jesus. The other thing about Jesus is when he was on earth, he suspended his divine knowledge. I can't teach everything in one night. Y'all understand that? <laughs> But the only way he had power, he got it from the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the anointing, right? God doesn't need the anointing. Men need, need the anointing. That's why he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So when he came to earth, he emptied himself of all of his divineness, right? But got it back as a man. Anybody ever see Superman 2? Right? He became a man because he wanted ugly Lois Lane. But then he went back and got 
the last crystal, right? I'm talking about the Christopher Reeves, not this, these new Superman. Ah, you got to go back and watch the one from 1978. That was the real one, right? But he went back and got the crystal, which we would call the anointing. And the whole Superman thing is based on Jesus. Did y'all figure that out? We saw so much that they were doing that in the story. So anyway, he went back. He was a man, and he got he got his behind wood in the bars, bleeding and stuff. Couldn't believe it. He gave all that up for Lois Lane, and uh, she wasn't even that good looking. That was Margot Kidder back then. I was like, bro, you could do better than that. <laughs> oh. But anyway, he found this one crystal and he got his power back as a man. But here's the point. Any man could have became Superman if they'd have got that power, right? So that's what happened with Jesus. So he's so used to weak faith people telling him, come, lay your hands on somebody, come pray, come pray. But then he, he reaches somebody with greater faith. Let's look at this. Matthew 8, verse 5, verse 6. Yeah. So this man comes to him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. What's palsy? Right? It's like cerebral palsy, like being paralyzed in part of your body, right? He's sick of the palsy, right? Grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, assume it. Okay, I'll come and heal him. Right? This man said, uh, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant will be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers, blah, blah, blah. And look at verse 10. And Jesus, when he heard it, he surprised him. That man's faith surprised Jesus. He marveled and said, to them that follow him. Verily I say to you, I haven't found so great faith in all of Israel. So this man had great faith. He didn't need the tangible tools of prayer. All he needed was the word of God. That's the highest form of faith that we take the word of God. We believe God and we're healed. We believe God and the money comes in. We believe God and the miracle happens. Yes? All right. But, God allows for those lesser point of contacts for people because it's at that point of contact that people can release their faith, all right? So number one, first tangible tool we're going we're gonna to talk about is the anointing oil, the anointing oil. Let's go to James 5.14. People come over here, oh, what they putting on you? Is that voodoo? It's not voodoo. It's from the word of God. Somebody say amen. And the reason it's strange is because most churches are powerless. And most pastors are powerless. And that's why they're afraid. And they close their doors during the pandemic. At the time when people need healing, people need mental peace, they need comfort, they need the body of Christ, Everybody's open, Walmart's open, strip clubs are open, the abortion clinic is open, Popeye's is open, but churches are closed. But it's because there's no power. Okay? 
So anointing oil shouldn't be strange, but it is. But it's one of the things that God has allowed us to use. Let's look at James 5.14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now we have to teach these things because people are carnal. And people get, they start acting superstitious. <laughs> and even some of your relatives who criticize us, don't believe how we believe, won't, don't come to our church, was uh, criticizing when we kept the church open during the pandemic, yet when their whole family got COVID, Lungy, they say, can you, can you give me some of that oil Pastor Randy was passing out? But the oil not going to work for them because they're using it as a relic and superstition. Somebody say Amen. And we have oil on the table. We still got some oil on the table, right? We, we prayed over it. If you want to take some of that home, you want to come back and I'll lay hands on it again or whatever, you can and take it home. But we're going to show you how to use it and how God told us to use it. Now, carnal pastors, I've heard the fundamentalists and the cessationists. Cessationists say all the gifts stop with the, when the last apostle died. As if the only people that were doing miracles were apostles. <laughs> but Stephen was a deacon. Did all the deacons have, all the deacons didn't die? <laughs> Hello? Stephen was a deacon doing miracles in the book of Acts. Somebody say amen. Several people were not apostles that were doing miracles and performing miracles in the book of Acts. So the cessationists and the People who are just carnal, that's all they are. They have to explain everything away. I've heard some preachers say, oh, the reason the Red Sea split was because supposedly there was a wind that was blowing and the tide made it low. And How about God split the Red Sea? Even if the wind was blowing, what made the ground? The ground would be soggy. Like, you can't. Well, were horses riding through there? But they got to explain everything away carnally. So let's look at this scripture over in James, and I'll tell you what they say about this. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with all in the name of the Lord. And watch this. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Will the anointing all save the sick? No. So it's not the all itself. The all is just a what? Point of, that's all it is. Right? Obviously, the person is sick. They can't get healed in their own faith. They could have took the word of God and got healed. They're not healed. So call for the elders of the church and let them lay hands. It's in the rules. It's a tangible tool that God lets us use. It may sound strange to people, but it's not strange. Somebody say amen. This is legal. It's in the bound. But the carnal preachers say, the way I give you $50 if you find this and send it to me, and he will. He'll find a picture and send it to me or, uh, or copy something from somebody. But I've heard this before. Oh, so the only reason God told them to use oil is because the olive oil had medicinal properties. Y'all, it didn't say the olive oil saved the person. And I'll tell you something else. You don't have to use olive oil. We've been in the jam. All we have was Crisco. We used Crisco and the person got healed. 
Vegetable oil. It said oil. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was in certain denominations, you know, these bishops and so forth. You have to use cold press, virgin olive oil. You know, we need to bind them and all them people. Y'all, it, the Bible don't say that. What does it say? It says anointing oil. That's all it's saying. All right? So use anointing oil, but it's not the oil. It's the faith. Somebody say amen. The prayer of faith will what? Save the sick. Everybody say the tangible too. This is allowed. This is what God said that we could use. Okay? Prayer clause. Now, let's go back. Anointing oil. How many of y'all seen these people on TV selling blessed water? I've seen you some blessed water. Okay. Holy water in the Catholic Church. Y'all, they got that water out the sink. The bot, there is no, show me in the Bible. I give you $100 tonight. Show me, show me. I, I got 100 Show me in the Bible where it says we can use holy water. See, that's what I'm saying. And the, devil, the, the people won't use what God say. They'll come up with something else. That's not biblical. Nowhere holy water. I got this water from the Jordan River. and this. The Bible didn't say get no water from the Jordan River. Y'all, we're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe now. Up watching BET at 3 a.m. and stuff. <laughs> But when you get desperate, I know. I'm going to send out for that holy water. Because my husband is crazy. And I'm going to sprinkle some of that holy water in his coffee. Y'all, I'm just saying, I don't know that stuff where, that stuff not biblical though. Okay? Am I telling the truth? You can be $100 richer if you can show it to me in the Bible. It's not in there. Okay? So it's anointing oil. Oil has been set aside to anoint. That's it. But do it have to have frankincense and myrrh in it? No. It doesn't. It just said anointing oil, right? So we're not going to put anything else on it or, or it becomes a relic and a rabbit's foot and a lucky charm. And that's not what we're doing, right? Okay. So it's nothing in the all, y'all. It's nothing magical in the all. It's nothing mysterious in the all. You know, we actually do use olive oil, but y'all, it's not, it's not in the all. It's not the medicinal properties of the all. It is a point of contact, and it represents the Holy Spirit. It represents the power of God, right? Okay. Number two, you'll see this sometime on television, BT at 3 a.m. Prayer clause, right? Is that biblical? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's strange, but it's biblical. Let me show it to you. It's in the book of Acts. Let's go to Acts chapter 19, verse 11. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. And God worked special miracles by the hand of Paul. Who was working the miracles? God. God was doing it. By the hands of Paul. Are y'all look? Don't look at me. 
I don't believe in all that. My church don't do that. Well, the traditional men, right? It don't matter what your church, well, the church I grew up in, we didn't do that stuff. It don't matter what you grew up in. How do we know about the church anyway? The Bible. How do we know about Jesus? The Bible. Where do we learn about heaven from? The Bible. How do we even know to pray? The Bible. So let's just do the Bible. Somebody say amen. All right. So these special miracles that God worked through the hands of Paul so that from his body were taken, right, unto the sick. Handkerchiefs, right, or pieces of material from what he was wearing, basically. Aprons. And the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. All right. Why is this allowed? What does this mean? Okay. Well, one of the things we know about power, is it transferable or not? Yeah. Now here, we use uh, cords for power, right? We transfer power, electricity through cords, yeah? But then, there's Bluetooth technology. That's invisible. Right? So power is transferable. Right? We know that. We know if you put a magnet on a metal for at least a few moments, that metal will retain a little magnetism. Yes? Certain metals will. Okay. So we know that power is transferable. Okay? The power of God is transferable. Okay? The power of God is transferable, all right? And what we've seen is it has to do with the vessel, the person, whoever the person is, right? It's not just some holy prayer clause from Israel that we weave some cotton from a holy field. No, that's not what makes it holy. What makes it holy and powerful is the person that carries the power of God. Do you understand that? And it's true, and I'll try to explain it to you as best I can. But they took cloth that had been on Paul. So the Bible says that when you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. I can't explain it. There have been times when we've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. We've seen strong moves of God, miracles uh, have happened even in this church, in this building, even. And th there's power on me going through me, right? And so typically the laying on the hands, the person, um, I can feel something leaving my hand going into the other person. I know it sounds crazy, but it, it, it just it, that's how it is. So there's something to have to do. I don't know all of it. But with the person, the person that carries the anointing for that moment when the Spirit of God comes upon him, all right, that power is transferable. And it's not only in his hands, but it's on anything that's touching him. Okay? All right? I don't do strange things often. I think one or two times in my ministry, God has told me to take, take my coat and put it on somebody, right? I mean, I've been preaching for 35 years. That's only happened to me twice. You know, you might see Benny Hinn throwing his car. That ain't real. Wait a minute. 
He's, he's using one of these principles. It may look strange, right? But the anointing is transferable. Everybody understanding this? Okay. So he was powerful. The cloth was touching him while the power was on him, and that power transferred to that cloth so that they could get more people healed because one man can only go so far, and then he gets tired, right? But they were taking some of the cloth that was offering him and taking that to people that maybe weren't there or what have you, and they were getting healed when the power of God that was in the cloth touched them. Believe it or not. And God allows it because we see it in the Bible. Can I show it to you again? Let's go to um, Matthew 14.36. This is Jesus. Matthew 14.36. I don't believe no prayer claw. That's some old spooky stuff. I knew that church was crazy. Is it in the Bible? All right. It may be strange to you because you were in a traditional church. And the traditions of men make the word of God of what? No power. Look at Matthew 14, 36. And many begged him, talking about Jesus, that they may only touch the hem of his what? Or clothes. They don't want to touch him. Just cannot touch your clothes, Jesus. And as many as touched him were made perfectly whole. As many as touched not him, his garment, just his clothes. Because it's something about cloth that can retain the anointing. I've seen it. We've sent prayer cloths to people that couldn't go in. Guess what? During COVID, you couldn't get in the hospital. But guess what? We prayed. I took a, a towel, prayed over it, and said, get it to him. Put it on him. And that person got healed. Somebody say amen. So what, what a convenient thing to do, especially in this time. The traditional church don't believe this. People just be done. But this is something we can use to bypass the rules that a person, an anointed person can't get in there, but we can send the anointing in there through a cloth. Somebody say amen. Is that good or not? So good that God allows that. It's in bounds. It's in the rules. Can I show it to you one more time? Let's go to Mark chapter 5, verse 28. It's the one with the issue of blood. She had spent all she had on physicians. was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch the hem of his garment. <laughs> This is what it says uh, in the easy uh, reading version. It says, if I touch even his garments, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of the blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her disease by touching some cloth. Because the anointing is transferable. Smith Wigglesworth, he'd probably be my great granddaddy in the ministry, my Father of the ministry is Pastor Gould. He was mentored by Oral Roberts and Lester Summerall. Lester Summerall was mentored by Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth was one of the greatest healing 
evangelist of the 19th century. You can read early 1900, read about him. He did crazy stuff. Raised, they said, documented, raised over 14 people from the dead. So he would just go from town to town, man. People would just bring him people, you know, hard cases, go over there, pray for him so they'd be healed and this and that. So he had another meeting in another city that was far. He had to get on the train. And somebody came to him and said, Smith, you need to come, you need to come. This person's going to die, something, something. And um, he had been, back in those days, you know, they didn't have holiday inns and so forth for the pastor to stay in. They stayed in people's homes. So he had been staying in a particular home. And as he was getting on the train, he said, I, no need for me to come. He said, uh, take him and lay him in my bed. <laughs> Tell him, don't change the sheets. Lay him in my bed where, where, where he had been laying. And he laid that man in that bed, and that man was healed. Because the anointing is transferable. And that's inbounds. We don't use Ouija boards. We don't use rosary beads. Because God didn't, he didn't give us that. But he did give us cloth, right? So we have prayer pillows here, right? Amen. If there's somebody far away, somebody we can't get to, somebody in prison, Whatever, we will pray over a cloth and send it to them. Amen. And believe that they're healed. Is this good for anybody? All right. There's some strange things you might see. What's another tangible tool of prayer that we can have a point of contact? Number one, the person's hand. The laying on the hands, we talked about that. Right? Uh even the shadow of a person. See, it all comes from the person. And that's why Jesus said the spirit of the Lord, it's, a, it's up on me. It's on me. See, the spirit of God is in you. And I know some of you never minister, you know, but there's a moment that I become another man. My, my own children and wife have said, when you... There are times you minister, we don't even know who you are. You're different. Like, I'm at home, I'm cracking jokes, I'm different, you know. But there's a moment that, and you'll see it on people, men of God, they become another man, like Superman, take off his glasses, the cape, come on, and they just, they bold, they, they don't, you know, they know what they're doing, right? And so the anointing comes on you, but it's coming on you to do something. If you ever read about Samson in the Bible, that's Old Testament. The Bible said the power of God would do what? Come on him. It wasn't just, you know, everybody makes Samson out to be some big muscle man look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I see Samson looking totally different. Little scrawny, skinny guy. Wouldn't that be more of a miracle? But when the power of God come on him, he can do all his mighty stuff, Right? See, we just so carnal. We just have to, he got to have muscles and veins popping out to be able to do it. But then if he's got all that, what does he need the power of God for? Is that true? What you need the power of God for? Your veins popping out a lot, your neck, and you can't even put your arms down. Right? We know you're strong. Right? But when the power of God comes, he's Pee Wee Herman, but when the power of God comes on him, he's powerful, Right? So that's what happens. It's in the person. 
it's in the person. And so um, even I've laid hands on people so many times, deliverance, healing, impartation, all of that, and I get these different manifestations. I can feel like power surging through me into a person, right? God is just using me as a conduit, but that's in bounds because that's what he does. Y'all see this? Let me show it to you. Let, go, let's go to Luke chapter 4, verse 40. Why do they, they be laying hands over there? That's weird. That's strange. Well, because your traditional church didn't do that. But how many people were healed over there too? How many people got delivered over there? How many people were set free over there? Right? In Hebrews, they, there's even a doctrine called the laying on of hands. In the New Testament, we should be laying hands on people for them to be healed. Right? Uh, in um, Mark chapter 16, it said, these are the signs that follow them that believe. They shall lay their hands on the sick. How am I, as a pastor, going to lay my hands on the sick and I'm going to close my church because of COVID? So it's clear I don't believe. Because the signs that of them that do believe is that they lay hands. Wonder what the sign of them that don't believe is. They close and they're on Zooms and sitting back. <laughs> I don't know. Not criticizing nobody. I kind of am saying you, right? But I'm trying not to because uh, I love everybody. I have friends that do that. But at some point, do I believe or do I not believe? Because the Bible said Christians shouldn't even be the sick. The, the ones that believe are not the sick, right? The signs of them that believe, they lay hands on the sick. Yeah. And that's why James said, if there's any sick among you, not because there's going to be sick among you. Because there's a possibility there ain't no sick among you. It's a possibility we can go around this whole room, ain't nobody sick. Come on, somebody. Because we believe, yes? Ha! I thought I was going to get through this real fast when I'm going kind of slow. But look at Luke 440. Now, when the sun was setting, all they that had any sickness with divers diseases were brought unto him, talking about Jesus, and he laid his what? Hands on every one of them and healed them. Does God, all powerful God, have to lay hands on anybody? No. But Jesus was here as a man. So he did it as a man to, to be an example to the church of how we're supposed to do it. But not only did he lay hands, Paul laid hands, Peter laid hands, the apostles laid hands. But now these pastors who are multi-million dollar CEOs and CFOs of churches, we've gotten to this level where we don't lay hands anymore. But that's what God gave us to do for, you know, his, yeah, right there. We keep telling Tiana, full-blown COVID. Did you have it? Was you feeling bad? Did I come over there and lay my hands? Was you nervous? Yeah, in my head, she, she had COVID. <laughs> but I'm a pastor. He told me to do it. Were you healed? Where is your daughter healed? Oh, yeah. Fever would not break. 
And I was praying for that fever. I was praying on the phone hard for every day, calling him multiple times because I knew the Lord said, no, you have to go over there. No, love, he just pray over the phone. Ain't no distance in prayer. The Lord just heal her. How you feel now, Tiana? <coughs> a little better, Pastor. I do. I do. I probably. <coughs> I feel a little better. He said, you got to go over there and lay your hands on her because she was a babe then. That's what he told me. She's a babe. And you got to go lay hands on her. Uh, carnal people. Not that she was a cutie, hottie. No, she's a babe in Christ. <laughs> her husband's right there. He was right there. No, she was a babe in Christ. She was new. She didn't have a lot of faith. So you got, she'll believe if you go over there and lay hands on her. She did. She did. She had faith when I laid hands on her that she would be healed. And she was, and her daughter, immediately. Yeah? Somebody say amen. amen. I don't know if I ever wore them clothes again, but that's all right. That's what I did after. <laughs> I washed them clothes. I wore them again. Hallelujah. <laughs> so he laid hands, right? So the hands of a man, of a man, of a man, of a man. That's the other part that people don't like. No man, got, got, you know, he ain't got to use no man. God ain't got to use no man, but this is what he's using. He's using men with the anointing, with the power of God upon them. That's why you be careful what you make fun of. There is a thing called the blaspheming of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you, when you do need that power, it's not, it's not going to flow. It's not going to be available. So we don't side with SNL. Me and my son, we used to watch SNL all the time. They got him, he, he saw something, he saw something, and they say, Dad, they just went too far. We'll, I'll never watch it again. Because he said, I'll never watch SNL again. And we like some guys in there. What's the black guy? Kenan, Kenan tells he's funny, funny guy. My Rudolph and all them. But man, they, hey, they was going too far now. You know, even worldly people, you know, Bernie Mac, he said, I don't make God jokes. He had a limit. He said, I don't make God jokes now. He said, in I, no, I, don't, I don't make jokes about God. <laughs> right. Now, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be entertained by people making fun of God and the things of God and the power of God, and then one day I get sick and need that power. Hello? And then God say, find me. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that said that, said that the, the wisdom of God will laugh at you because you've laughed at him. I'm just saying. So be careful when something is strange or novel or you didn't experience it at your church. Don't reject it if it's in the Bible. Somebody say amen. amen. Mm-hmm. Is this good tonight? This is good for new members too, huh? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. We're going to put this in somewhere so they can hear this. All right? Mm-hmm. The shadow of Peter. Now, I don't believe, I believe that that was their understanding that if his shadow, so I got to get close enough to you for my shadow to, to touch you, right? So that means if I just get close enough to the man that's anointed, but that's what they believe. The other man, remember, that we read about the satirian, he just believed if Jesus said the word, 
That was his point of contact. So when they couldn't get to the man of God, they couldn't get no, no cloth out of, of his clothes, say, if we just get in the vicinity. Let's look at Acts chapter 5. You know, there is a something, there's a power called radiation, right? Yeah. Like when you get a x-ray, there's radiation. That's why they put the thing on you, right? Radiation emanates from the source of power and goes out, right? Okay. So there's a, there's a part of that on the man of God. Right? That he can be so full of God that there's power that radiates. I've been around people like that that were that anointed. And it wasn't jokey joke time around them. I wasn't saying nothing because the power of God was on them. Hello? I've been in meetings and seen people, Ken Hagen them, they turn around and do like this toward the side. Everybody fall back. I've been in the meetings and was one of them that fell back. And I'm one of them like, bro, I ain't falling back. I ain't falling back. I ain't. Mm -mm. Hello? That's me. You know, it's like some of y'all. I ain't falling. That stuff ain't real. I don't say that it ain't real. I say, I ain't falling. Fell back because the power of God was on them. Let's look at it. In so much that they were brought forth the sick in the streets and laid them on beds and couches. This is Acts 5.15. That at least the shadow of Peter passing by them might overshadow some of them. Next scripture. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about and unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them that were vexed with unclean spirits. We call them schizophrenic, bipolar, depression disorder, anxiety disorder. That's what this is. We just got professional names for it, but no cures. You know that? No cures. All we can do is dope you up to contain the condition. We can't cure it, though. Hello? And terminal counseling. No, you're going to be on my books for the next 10 years now. Just keep coming on Tuesdays because we're not going to cure you. Come on, somebody. But Jesus was curing people. And Peter was curing people. He was one of the disciples. And folks were vexed with unclean spirits. And they were healed. How many? Everyone. So, you got to understand. And see, this is where people miss it. The power is in a man, on a man, through God. Remember, God wrought those miracles through the hands of Paul. God needs a man. The Bible says over and over, he sought for a man, couldn't find one. He always needs a man. And so that's why you can't get too familiar with your pastor or the man of God or whoever God's using. You know, they was criticizing Moses and stuff. Wanting to kill Moses. Talking about let's, let's revolt on Moses. Y'all saw the stuff God did through Moses. Bro, I'd have been, bro, shut your, bro, be quiet. Get away from me. No, going over there, bro, with that. 
Moses split the Red Sea. But they still couldn't get over, he a man like me. He was a man like you. But he's anointed. And he's the one that God has chosen to put his power on. Somebody say amen. amen. And when you need God, you need an anointed man. That's one of the ways you can get healed. Now, what's some other ways you can get here? You can take the anointing yourself, which is the word of God. If you got enough faith, you can get healed just on the word of God. Somebody say amen. But you're so corny, you disrespecting the man of God. We know you ain't got enough faith to believe the word of God. See, the anointing is on the man. Everybody see that? It wasn't Peter's wife either. It was Peter. It wasn't Philip, it was Peter. Come on, somebody. And not because he was the first bishop of the Catholic Church and all that stuff. No, it's because he had the anointing on him, just like Paul had the anointing on him, just like Jesus had the anointing on him. Can I show you Old Testament? Let's look at 2 Kings 13.20. Oh, I'm out of time. 2 Kings 13.20, the anointing is tangible. This is this is almost an unbelievable account, but it's in the word of God. God's not a man, he shall lie. Elijah died, and they buried him, and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. And, that, and it came to pass, as they were burying a man, that behold, they spied a band of men. So it was some other men that was getting ready to come make war with them. And so they had to get rid of the body fast. So they cast the man into the grave of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. <laughs> the dead bones of a prophet had enough anointing in it to resurrect another dead man. I'm like, Lord, but he did. He can't even resurrect himself. That's all right. His bones had the anointing in it. He's in a man. He a man just like me. No, no, not this one. Not this one. He was an anointed man set apart. Set apart for the things of God. Somebody say amen. Full of the power of God. And y'all, I've been around some powerful men of God. Ooh. Bill Bright, who started Campus Crusade for Christ. He was a millionaire left... Uh, California started Campus Crusade for Christ. The headquarters is there in Orlando, Florida. And I took a picture, stood next to him, number of power emanating him. Stood next to Ken Hagen, who had seen, oh, I can't tell you how many miracles. Took a picture with him, felt number of power. Joyce Myers came down the line and was laying hands on people. Before she even got close, I could feel that power coming. And these people stick a microphone in their face. So, so much dishonor. I wonder what happens to these people. I'm telling you. So we don't deify men. We don't worship men. Amen. But we got to respect the anointing on an anointed man of God. Because one day you may need that person. 
Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Has this been good tonight? Uh, all right. The strange things. <laughs> One more strange thing that you may see at our church. You know, those traditional churches, how do they pray? Very, be very, very quiet. Trying to get the wascally wabby. Don't want to make too much noise now. Shh. At church. Those traditional places. You ever go? It's almost like a mausoleum. Respect. We were in uh, Honolulu, Hawaii this summer, and uh, I went over to Pearl Harbor. So you got to get on this boat to go, and there were already people there that were getting on the boat to go back. And, I mean, it was about 200, 300 people. When you got off there, you didn't hear nothing. Respect for the dead. And that's how it seems so often in churches. It's a mausoleum with respect. So you might see a strange over here. That's not where you come from, your church. We don't pray quiet. We pray what? We pray loud. Why is that? Well, we're going to show you. There's something called united prayer, right? Let's go to Acts chapter 16, verse 25. One of my mentors in the ministry, uh, Kenneth Hagin, you know, he, he was a Methodist, and, and he came through the Baptist church, but he got healed through faith, divinely. Nobody believed that. So he went around full gospel people who were Pentecostals, but he was still a Methodist, Baptist kind of guy. And he said, you know, I believe what they said about faith and healing, but I just didn't, that, the way they prayed, it irritated me because they'd be all loud. And I'd tell him, sometimes he'd be a smart lad, he'd say, God ain't hard of hearing. And he said, they would tell him back, God ain't nervous either. <laughs> that meant you can yell as loud as you can, you can't make God nervous. Hello? And he said, he ain't just be in them services and they be all yelling and praying all loud. He's like, I just got on his nerves. He, he didn't like that. And they were trying to be, they try to make him get into that. And he's like, nah, I pray to myself quietly. I mean, y'all come from the churches, praise God on the inside. And those real erudite people, you know, real uppity people, yeah, we, we praise on the inside respectfully. Yes? But you come to Pentecostal circles, right? And people be yelling, running, dancing, right? Yeah, shaking, looking crazy. Stranger things, yes? Okay, but why? Let's go to Acts chapter 16, verse 25. So we used to be on the prayer call, on our leadership prayer call, and we would have different people lead in prayer. Now, we still do that sometimes. And in most churches, even if they are vocal in prayer, it's like, okay, it's Brother John's time to lead in prayer. Our Father and our Father. And the one person prays. It's more like an invocation, right? It's not really prayer. It's scripted, right? And 
we wouldn't be scripted. We would just have people, random people praying, but it would be individual. But I remember the Lord said, no, let them start praying all together at one time. Uh, one of the stories, one of these Baptist guys said, it, said they were praying one time for something and say some deacon in the back say, can you pray a little louder? We can't hear you. He said, please, Lord, let that man know I'm not talking to him. <laughs> right? But there's something about praying with fervency. Remember the Bible says the fervent effectual prayer make his great power available. Yes? You can be mansy pansy, not name me down to sleep, all that, all that prayers you want to. But when you get in the jam and you want the power of God, you want God to move, you're going to open your mouth. Somebody say amen. I seen my wife, she's pretty reserved and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, I done seen some, when she get in that power mode, she not uh, whispering no prayers. Somebody say amen. All right, look at this. Uh, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. So Ken Angus said, when he saw this scripture, he said, well, obviously they weren't praying to themselves. Because the Bible say the prisoners heard them. During Hurricane Harvey, our neighbors came up afterward. We went back to see the aftermath. They said, we heard you. All of us on the street heard y'all. Because me and my family was praising and praying. Yeah, and deliverance came too. Somebody say amen. amen. We were praying, and you know, wasn't no electricity, cause, so there wasn't nobody watching nothing, listening to nothing. Then there wasn't no AC, so they had to raise their windows. So they heard us. And we weren't praying quiet prayers. Somebody say amen. amen. At midnight, they sang praises, and they prayed together and sang praises together. You know, and I'm going to tell you now, I've been known to put people out of prayer meetings. The abstentia people, you at a prayer meeting, and say, okay, everybody stand and pray. You sitting back. Okay, you can leave. Now, we don't do that regular service, but when you already know what we're doing tonight is praying, and you up here with the brakes on, well, I don't do that. Why'd you come? You knew we was praying, right? No, they prayed together. There's something called united prayer, corporate prayer, that makes power available. Watch what happens. The prisoner heard him. Keep going. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loose. So you want to know why we get loud over here? You want to know why we preach loud? Why we pray loud? Why we rebuke loud? Why we sing loud? Because some of you in here are bound. You're in the prison of, of, of addiction. You're in the prison of poverty. You're in the prison of disease. And if we just get together and pray together, and lift our voices together the foundations will be shaken and everyone will be loosed that's what it takes don't come over here it don't take all that you don't know what it takes with your bound self that's why you still bound 
That's why you're still addicted to wine coolers and smoking reefer and sleeping with your boyfriend because it don't take all. You don't know what it takes. It does take all of that. Somebody say amen. Amen. Can I show you another scripture that'll back that up? It does take all that. You know, I used to call the Pentecostals holy rollers and stuff. You can call us whatever you want to. We in the Bible, though. We don't do nothing because of nothing else what somebody else did. We do it because it's in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, we're going to do it. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Let's look at Acts chapter 4, verse 23. So they're beating Peter and I think it was James that was with him. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported to all the chief priests and elders, reported what they had said to them, told them not to preach no more in the name of Jesus. And when they heard that, listen, they all, everybody that was in the house, they all lifted up their voice to God with one accord. See, that's the problem. That's why we don't have a lot of power available in our churches. Because it's somebody sitting on the back row, terminally cool, too cool to get with it. It said, we're one accord, though. If I say, everybody lift your hands, everybody ain't going to, even in this month, everybody ain't going to do it. Still going to be some people. I'm just showing you the secrets. I'm showing you the secrets. And teach your kids when they come to church. No, you're going to participate. Now, you let them sit in church and not participate, but then when, it's, when the teacher calls you because they ain't participating, then you're taking their phone. They, you want them to participate in school? Hello? Then you bring them to church, you make them participate. Sitting there putting the brakes on the power of God. Because them be the ones that don't do it. The, the two cool kids that was made to come. Well, if you made them come, you make them participate. Somebody say Amen. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth. One accord, they all said the same thing. They made heaven and earth and the sea and it's all that is within them. Keep going. Who by the mouth of your servant David. So they just started praying all of this stuff. Now let's go down to verse 31. So they're praying this prayer. And when they had prayed, they finished praying. They all prayed together. It wasn't one, Deacon John wasn't leading the prayer meeting. Sister Sally Johnson, Missionary Johnson wasn't leading the prayer. Everybody was praying on one accord. And when they had finished praying, the place was shaking where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Speaking of strange things, <laughs> they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. How do, how do we know when people are filled with the Holy Ghost? They pray in tongues. That's something else. It's strange. That's, it sounds weird, though. It's just I can't get. I, I just I, I know I know it's been. I just can't get with it over there at KCH. They they pray in tongues. I mean, but it's in the Bible. We know, but it's I just it's just weird. It is weird. It is strange. It's weird and it's strange. Yes? I got you, brother. Hold on. 
It's weird and it's strange, but watch this. The Bible tells us to do it, right? Stranger things of prayer. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. It says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, this is Paul. My spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. My spirit prays, my understanding is what, unfruitful. But listen to what he said. He said, what is, it, what is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. So I pray with the spirit, I pray with understanding. You may come to this church and hear somebody praying in the spirit. And somebody takes one of these scriptures. Well, they say you shouldn't speak if you ain't no, have no interpreter. They're not speaking forth the message in tongue. They're praying. Hello? He said, I pray in the spirit. I pray to understand it. You see that? Else thou when thou shall bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupied the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks? The unlearned. The unlearned. Now, some of y'all were with me at the theater, right? Now, some of y'all, y'all just, some of y'all are spirit-filled but traditional. You're going to do, every, no, just, just notice me. Did you notice I didn't pray in tongues at the movie theater? Because that's unlearned people. I'd already prayed in tongues to myself, right? But they unlearned. I'm not going over there. They're going to think we're crazy. Right? So I'm not praying in tongues everywhere in the place of the unlearned, the unchurched, people who don't know. Okay? Get that nuance, right? Sister Laundry, you got what I'm saying? Track that. Follow my example. Right? How I do stuff. We out evangelism, y'all getting people on the bus. Y'all don't be out there praying in tongues. Ain't nobody getting on the bus. At Walmart, like, whoa. No, you pray in tongues when you get out there. Somebody say amen. But it does say as Christians, we can pray in the spirit and pray with the understanding also. Yes? Now let's go to Jude. It tells us to pray in the spirit, to pray in the Holy Ghost. It says, Jude 120, but ye beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. That's why we do it. This is why we do it over here. It might be strange to you. Some, some of y'all get with this, but I can't get with that. That's fine. That's fine, but, you know, don't criticize it. Don't ridicule it. Grow into it because, y'all, it's powerful. Amen. We, we, we've seen people, eyes open, ears open, yes. We, we, we've seen tumors come out of people, yes. Yeah, it's always the power of the people that's strange, though. I'm leaving all that praying in tongues. Okay, well, you produce some power. They be the people with no power. I'm going to stick with the people with the power. Everybody ever seen with power, they pray in tongues. Anybody ever seen with some show no power, they pray in tongues. Anybody ever seen somebody didn't? 
I didn't see a lot of power in Episcopalian, Presbyterian, AME, CME, churches, Southern Baptist Church. I didn't see a lot of power, though. I saw a lot of foolishness, saw a lot of shenanigans, heard a lot of alliteration, the P's, you know, praise them up, pray them up, pay them up, all this stuff. Just they do all that stuff because they ain't got no anointing up. All that rhyming, you know, Jesse Jackson used to do. You know, all that, you know, you can be tall. You can play basketball. God loves us all. And you are somebody. Because they didn't have no anointing. No power. So when you got no power, you do all kind of other stuff. But the people with power, I'm going to tell you what they do. They pray in tongues. They pray loud. They shout. They dance. They praise God openly. Hello? They do. They do. They lay hands. They use oil. Come on, somebody. Everybody I know with power, they do that. And they get results. Was this good tonight?